This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. MLS Playoff Preview. We got Jimmy Conrad to break down every single game. This is our initial reaction to all of them. The plan, the East, the West. Stay right here because we're covering it all as we look ahead to Major League Soccer in the postseason. Stay right here because we begin right now. It's MLS Playoff Preview with Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. I am excited about this playoff preview. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the league, having been a player in the league for 12 years. And did you know this fun fact, Luis? I am up. I've been nominated for one of the 25 greatest players in league history. Dude, listen, yeah. I'm just so proud Amazing. of you. Thanks, dude. Former proud of myself. A former MLS Defender of the Year. I mean, sometimes we forget, you know, me and your friends and whatever, but it's such an honor to uh, to have you as part of the show because you're also just such a hardworking guy, but you're also so humble. But people forget, uh, definitely young people, like just your tremendous career. So it's, it's always I, good. I wasn't you. really teeing you up to say that, but I will take all of that praise. Thank you, Luis. No, no, it's, it's, it's incredible. I think for the most part, my parents are super proud. You know, they, they're the ones that did log the long hours and drove me places when I was a kid. And uh, it's a nice reward for them to see that all that effort that they put into was worth it. And, and also, secondly, you know, I wasn't that the, the kid that was on the youth national teams or any of that. I, I walked on in college. I didn't get drafted in MLS, you know, so I was a little engine that could. So this is an incredible honor. And I'm, I, whether I get voted in or not, that, that's secondary to just being nominated, frankly. No, listen, like, congratulations. And actually, your story, my friend, is the perfect example and starting narrative of this league, I think. It's a young league that just really, honestly, it pushes, I mean, there's still so much work to do, granted, but it's such a good example of, you know, I was talking to, you know, when I was talking to Tieran Rhee, you know, we're saying how like, MLS is the most multicultural league in North America. And sometimes people forget that. And so many different walks of life and experiences, it's just great. So with all that said, this Wait, is- Wait, no, 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 no. I got to give you some praise because that interview was awesome with Thierry Henry. And, uh, I just thought that was fantastic. And I know you have a great backstory of your own. So hopefully one day we can get into that too. Man, this is just going to be Jimmy and Luis just like, you know. <laughs> no, you're the best. No, you're the best. We're like that Spider-Man meme, right? No, We're pointing at each other. Yeah. And we have lost 40% of our listeners. <laughs> anyway, MLS preview. This, by the way, guys, will be, this is just our initial reaction sure. to uh, the games. We will have another one after the international break to really break down as the games get closer. Um, but before we begin, Jimmy, we, we just going to mention it, you know, today just uh, announced Ansu Fati will be out for approximately four months due to a knee injury. Um, just sad news. Uh, hopefully, you know, we wish him the best and, you know, hopefully it's it's a time that he recuperates under that time, but it's not good news for Barcelona fans. And anyway. Uh no, it's unfortunate. Obviously, he's one of the best young players in the world. We want to see him continue to blossom, especially under the tutelage of Messi. So, yeah, it's a big loss for them. Uh, on the flip side, I guess Fede Valverde just got uh, 
he's going to be out for five or six weeks as well for Real Madrid. So I guess both of their teams, if we're looking at it competitively and not from a human factor, but just competitively, they're both going to be without some of their top young players. Maybe for a silver lining perspective from our American fans that will give Conrad De La Fuente a chance to get into the team and get some, get some valuable minutes. So I don't know. Yeah, obviously devastated for Ansu Fati. He's a young guy, though. His career is going to be awesome. And I'm already jealous of it. And he's only 17 or 18 years old. But, uh, you know, uh, there are some silver linings, I suppose, with regard to other players getting an opportunity to shine. And, and there might be an American that can do it. Yep, absolutely. And because he's young, hopefully, you know, that means that his recuperation time will be. I'm not him. worried about him. He's going to be fine. He's going to be great. Fine. Yeah. We're just being selfish because we for love sure. to see Ansu Fati. That's true. Yeah, I am. I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm selfish of that for sure. But. Now, we begin MLS Playoff Preview. You already know the story. Uh, the extension of playoff spots obviously uh, was bigger this year because of COVID and just the breakup in the league itself and the season. So, you know, um, our producer right now, as I'm talking, is, is showing you our, the bracket. And it's, it's, it's a really intriguing one, uh, beginning with the Eastern Conference playing rounds where Nashville and Inter-Miami, two teams... Their first season, and they make it into the playoffs on the other side, New England and Montreal. Uh, some really tasty matchups. We're going to break down each one. Uh, Jimmy will offer his, uh, his knowledge and context to each one. I'll apply a little commentary as well. But before we begin there, we have to salute Philadelphia Union for winning Supporters' Shield 2020 the first time, just over a decade of existence, they win it. And this is a tremendous story, Jimmy. People really, it's not just about the fact that they played this well this season, but it's just been a step-by-step -step process uh, from their philosophy. Your thoughts on Philadelphia Union? They have been so good this season. They were good in MLS's back as well. People remember they had a nice run. There was a nice vibe about them. That was when uh, Brendan Aronson started to get a little hype. You know, now he's now signed to RB Salzburg moving forward once the season ends. So yeah, they, they've been kind of on the tip of people's tongues. I think that Jim Curtin, their manager, who should be up for coach of the year this year, he would get my vote. I think Oscar Pereja will get into Orlando City in a little bit, would probably get uh, second, or they'd be like, they're like head to head because of the turnaround with Orlando City. But with Philly in particular, he, they've given him so much time to really develop and put an identity and, and find that nice balance of bringing in some veterans, but also giving your younger players a chance to play and, and, and like a legitimate chance to play, not just like two or three games, but just living and dying with your younger players a little bit and it's paid off in a big way obviously they've got a tremendous goalkeeper and they've got these nice pieces so good everybody listen they scored more goals in the league than anybody else and they gave up the least amount of goals as well they're doing it on both sides of the ball they are nine zero and zero at home they have home field advantage to the playoffs i love this team i love the way that they play and they got that philly spirit which is awesome to see as well yeah, the Philly spirit. If there's one city right now that deserves all of it, is this city that's right, right now. That's right. And I'm a New Yorker right now telling you this, and it's like, <laughs> but I'm also really happy for my boy Alejandro Beloya, of course. a friend of mine. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy. But the Philadelphia Union story is great, guys. If you don't know it, you should really look into it. First of all, you talked about Jim Curtin. Uh, you know, he's been there just, you know, some of these guys that he knows already from academy years. It's just, it's just mm -hmm. been a, a sort of a family, a journey of this club going, you know, uh, they've never really, you know, it's never been an LA galaxy story. It's never even been a Metro star story or a Red Bulls or NYCFCs, like, et cetera. It's just been this straight up working class, almost philosophy of struggle where like, you know, 
test some young players coming through the ranks. It hasn't worked out. And it's just been, you know, through and through, year after year, they've just been able to fine-tune the strategy and who they are as a club. And it's paying off, and it's paying off, and, it, and it's really good to see. So congratulations for Philadelphia Union. Um, I, I, yeah, I just want ahead. to jump in there and say and reward their youth academy and their philosophy because, it's pay, like you said, it's paid off. And I want to highlight it again and reemphasize re that because we see a lot of other MLS clubs or other clubs around the world who maybe half commit to their youth academy and then maybe they get one player and then they just get away from it. Oh, we're just going to start buying players. That, that's just easier than actually us developing them. And not just them as, as players, but them as people, right? You have to instill your culture from such a young age. So important to the whole process. Philly did that. And now they are finally seeing the fruits of that labor. And that I think is what's so cool to see is it's finally bearing fruit in a meaningful way. They won their first ever trophy, the Supporter Shield. I will say though, and Philadelphia Union fans that are listening are gonna be like, don't say it, don't say it. They have been to three finals before in the Open Cup, okay? Our cup competition here in the States. They've hosted this Open Cup final twice in Philadelphia. They have home field advantage in the playoffs. They lost both of those finals. They lost the one away to Houston as well. So I, I really want them to get over the hump. They, they did. They, they did the first thing. They won a trophy. They were the best team through the regular season, and that should not be diminished by any stretch of the imagination. However, they still got a little bit longer to go, and I think there's a lot of experienced teams on both sides and both conferences that could knock them off. So it'll be interesting to see what this team is made of now when, when their backs, uh, backs are against the wall, but when they're, now there's expectations for them to win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and listen, like, it's now – the playoffs it's a totally different narrative so we'll see what especially after you take a break after the international break i feel like that's that's a long time for teams even the teams that were struggling and just about made it uh, can sort of like reboot themselves but well done union let's see what you do all right we begin in the east in the east uh jimmy wearing his see-through metro stars uh, shirt i'm wearing my nycfc just because i gotta rep my city uh and they have a peruvian and alex Collins. but look at the see-through sleeves on jimmy's uh, metro star shirt did like was it that was a legit shirt right everybody bought the see-through yeah it was a shirt oh that God, i traded look at this you can see my shoulders dude wait wait i mean it's on the back too you can see on the back it's i don't know maybe it was for aerodynamic make them a little bit faster oh this uh God. i traded with a jersey it was a kid that i played with growing up joey di marino and we traded jerseys when he was on the team and and i'm, I'm i feel lucky to have one there's not many of these walking around a planet earth these days. I feel like a uh, Red Bull, once they change their names, like, can we get all the Metro stars jerseys and just torch them, you know? So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see them in particular. This has been a little bit of an uneven season for them, but I'm excited to rep the Jersey. I see you wearing NYCFC. So we got a little bad blood between us right now. Yeah. I mean, I got a rep, uh, you know, uh, there's a Peruvian in NYCFC, Alex Callen. So like, you know, that's part of it, but you know, uh, I, I, I had a good relationship with the club ever since uh, David Villa came in and obviously I'm in Manhattan. They started in the Bronx. So you just got to wrap it. But it's nice to see red and blue in the show. Regardless, you know, we're still wrapping up to everybody else. So we begin with Eastern Conference and the playing matches. Let's begin with New England Revolution at Montreal uh, versus Montreal Impact. Uh, basically, these two teams have met four times this season already with the refs winning three of them, including the only matchup played at Gillette Stadium, which was 3-1. That was back in September. So, you know, there's a little bit of uh, history right now that you can prove uh, within this matchup. Uh, Tierney just about got it, beating DC United. Uh, the refs uh, ended up in eighth. A good game. It should be. I feel like it, this will be a really tight one, actually. Jimmy, your thoughts? Yeah, so both of these teams are managed by people that I look up to. Bruce Arena, 
with New England, the winningest coach in MLS history. My my coach that that picked me to go play in a World Cup. So I've got a strong bias to Bruce in so many different ways. Love that dude. But I also love Thierry Henry. Obviously, one of the top for me, one of the top five strikers easily to ever play the game. Maybe even one of the top five players, depending on where you lived. And if you're like an Arsenal fan, you're always going to say him top five. He has this ability, right, as a, as a world-class player, former world-class player, to impart that wisdom in a way. I don't know if it's necessarily kicked on for him, and I'm sure, well, I mean, he talked about it a little bit in your interview, um, just, just the difficulties of transitioning from being a player to a coach. But they're both kind of coming in a little uneven. Uh, Montreal lost three straight games prior to them beating D.C. United on the last day of the season. That was a bit of a fight. There's some kind of spirit, though, that I like about Montreal. However, I just don't think you can sleep against a team that's coached by Bruce Arena, who's won more MLS Cups than anybody else. He knows how to press the right buttons of the players. They've only lost once at home all season. I like New England to slightly do the business, but if Montreal won, I guess I would come in to you and Luis and everybody listening. I wouldn't be surprised either if somehow Montreal stole a win here and kind of ruined Bruce's party. I like what Bruce has been doing with the Revs. I think he's really turned around their culture and their identity a little bit. But uh, yeah, this is, this is a toss-up. I want to. I went on William Hill to see if there's any early odds. There isn't yet. So once it gets closer, then we can start talking about uh, the odds in this one and where I'm leaning specifically. But right now, those are my early thoughts. Yeah. No. The only thing I'll say is that out of all the games, all the games, even round one, I feel like this is going to be one of the tightest. Uh, you know, one of Montreal's uh, advantages, I think, is ironically enough uh, a disadvantage to them. The fact that they've had to be away from home for so long and that might be, mm -hmm. you know, just this uh, resilience building that they need. But it's going to be a tight one. Let's move on. Nashville against Inter Miami, two teams who were just born into the league. Uh, Nashville obviously has been around for a while, but, you know, their inaugural season MMLS, two teams, they make it. Obviously, part of it is thanks to the fact of the expansion of the playoffs, but you know, Nashville were seventh. So, you know, and Inter Miami and that's 10th. Nashville have had the better of the two games, uh, the, the two teams between uh, this uh, season, winning one nothing at home in August. And then they drew uh, at Inter Miami in September 1-0. But, but it's just a very, very sort of, you know, very thin piece of paper sort of uh, resume that you can get from this game. How do you see it? Nashville against Inter Miami should be a good one. It should be a very good one. Nashville for me has been resolute at home. And actually I want to correct my own mistake. I said that new England revolution have only lost once at home. They lost three times. So uh, maybe there is a better chance for Montreal. It's actually Nashville. I had them in my mind. They've only lost once at home. And uh, that was a, a, a big win. Uh, I can't think of who it was. And they got so many teams in my head, but they've only lost once, which I think is really important to know. However, when you think about these two results that you brought up with regard to Inter Miami, they now add Gonzalo Higuain into their team. Whatever you think about Gonzalo Higuain, he still has the ability to be a top player at any time. And, and we've seen his passion already since joining the team. Obviously, you know, when he missed that penalty when he first joined, people were giving him a hard time. I think he, he wants to come and improve it that, that uh, you know, he can carry a team on his back and, and go all the way. They obviously added Matuidi as well. So you get a lot of, you know, uh, just a good guy in the, in the spine of the team with a lot of experience. So I don't think you can sleep uh, on Miami in this one. But just given how well Nashville's played and, and they've figured out, they kind of morph from a 5-3-2 into a 3-5-2. I'm a big Walker Zimmerman fan. I think he's been very low-key and underrated, almost like this whole team. I mean, you got two expansion teams here. I think Nashville is, is quietly very solid and hard to beat and hard to break down. And I think that could frustrate Miami, who at times can get a little stifled in how they attack consistently. So I like Nashville 
just given all the stats and kind of the momentum and everything we see. However, when you do add world-class players, or if you give too much attention to an, uh, to uh, Iguain, that could open up space for Juan Aguadello, who at times can be very, very good and score. And he's very streaky, but once he starts hitting the back of the net and gets some confidence, he's a top player. So that's, I don't know, it's a coin flip in some ways, but I think when you just look at it on paper, what both teams have accomplished this, this season, I like Nashville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I might have to agree with you here. It's going to be really tough. <laughs> Listen, Nashville, that was hard for you. That was a bad thing. spitting that out. Well, the reason why is because it's actually, when you look at it on paper, it's just very difficult. For one, you don't have these years and years of right. going back and seeing and like, you know, the relationship that these teams have had. This is brand new for them. And then two, Nashville are very good on set pieces. That's mm -hmm. that's where they've been really dangerous. And I feel like that's into Miami's vulnerability sometimes. But then your Iguain Matuidi argument as well. I mean, when you have Gonzalo Iguain, somebody who's just played every, it's just those little things can be differentiators. I mean, we talked about their classicer this weekend. It's, you know, it, it's about taking your chances and having those star players. That could be the thing. But here's one thing. Nashville at home this season were 4-1-5. and five. Mm -hmm. It's not great. Right. Right. Uh, and into Miami on the road, they only won two, but they tied eight. So I'm wondering if, are they going to push this all the way to extra time? Right. And then maybe something happens at the end there. So I I'm switching. I'm going to go with Inter Miami. Okay. Inter -Miami. okay. I do, by I the do way, we're going to have uh, we're going to have Nashville manager, Gary Smith on the show later as well. So uh, later on uh, before the, the playoffs. So oh, hopefully please, please tell him I said, hi, I have an incredible story about Gary Smith. Can we, can we, can I bring it up yeah, really quick? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he was coaching the Colorado Rapids at the time. I'm playing for Kansas city. And I go for a header with Connor Casey. Who's just this man child, this massive dude. And he elbows me in the face. It's fine. You go up. It happens. Right but I take a nice clean shot to the face referee doesn't call anything at this point. You know, this is where the rules starting to get implemented. We have to protect players from getting, you know, elbows to the face. It didn't happen. So I am just yelling at the referee the whole time the, the trainer comes out. I go to the sideline, you know, I'm right in front of the coaching, both coaching staffs and Gary Smith says, Hey, Jimmy, why don't you shut up? It's a man's game. He, he said that to me. Why don't you shut up? It's a man's game. Okay. So I looked at him. And I gave him the old, okay, no problem. Let's fast forward 20 minutes later. I absolutely too cleanly. I don't know if you can cleanly two foot somebody, but I clean drew more out. He's still playing for the Rapids at the time. No call. Cause it's clean. I get the ball first, but I go through him pretty hard. I'll, I'll raise my hand and say that I do that. Gary Smith is yelling on the sideline that this is like a yellow at the least, maybe a red card, just like berating the referee. So I'm, I'm jogging back. I go close to the sideline. I say, Gary, Gary, he won't look at me. Gary, Gary, he won't look at me. And he finally looks at me and I go, hey, Gary, it's a man's game. You know what I mean? <laughs> what did he say? Oh, dude, I heard, uh, I, I knew some people on the team. He, hate, he hates me. Now, I don't know if he hates me now, but like at that time, I basically called him out for using the same narrative that he used against me. And so I, I feel like there's like this little beef between, I haven't talked to him in years. I haven't seen him in like 10 years, but uh, I don't know. You don't have to bring that up, but that's my Gary Smith story, everybody. <laughs> well, I might not bring. I might not bring it up because I need to first know if he still hates. Uh, but I love it. I love it. No, hey, listen, it's, it's, it's a it's, it's a man's right? game, baby. It's it's a man's game. If you're gonna come at me with that, I'm gonna use it against you. But what a story, huh? unbelievable. So so I, I think there's I think there's a mutual respect. I, I really love what he's done with Nashville. Uh, I'm really proud of what he's, especially an expansion team. It can't be easy. I was a little. I didn't, I'll be honest. I raised my hand. I had question marks about them hiring him. Like, all right, I haven't seen him do much since his stint in Colorado. What's he been up to? 
but he has been fantastic and I don't want to take anything away from him. I think Nashville is a very good team and I think they will be for a long time. Yeah, and their story this year has been amazing because also, if you remember the very beginning, Nashville have very big issues with COVID, et cetera. So their sort of uh, rhythm uh, really hit them specifically. I mean, hit everybody, but it really hit them. So anyway, those were the playing games. And that was an amazing story. <laughs> uh, we will be back after this as we will hit round one. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're going to hit round one, staying in the east. Uh, and we're going to try and do this, for, you know, lightning round. All right, so we're going to, you know, Philadelphia Union, we've talked about them. They play the lower-seeded play-in winner. So, um, you know, we just have to remember that. And at home, they've been amazing. So, you know, make that from what you will. Toronto FC, uh, the second seed in the east, they play the higher-seeded play-in winner. And their home record is 7-2-1. and one. So, obviously, the home advantage goes to both teams. You never know what happens. That's what we have there. Let's, let's go now with the ones that we do know are definitely happening. Columbus Crew. Third-seeded Columbus Crew against the New York Red Bulls. Uh, the crew came out on top in this one, uh, winning two, both of them, uh, back in the MLS tournament. But, you know, that was July it was an yeah, MLS. Yeah, that, I don't know if that can really factor into. So, so tell me about this game. What, how do you see it? I like the crew. I think that their their manager Caleb Porter has done a good job, kind of reestablishing their identity in some ways. Not to say that they didn't have one under Greg Berhalter, but kind of implementing a, a different type of style. And I think they needed a few pieces to get there. And them getting Darlington Nagby from Atlanta, I think, was the pivotal move. He played for Caleb at Akron in college. So it's a nice rapport there. And it, a lot of things just run through him. And if Darlington is feeling it, then usually the crew play a lot better. But they have a lot of a lot of talented players. Jossie Zard is still banging in the goals, doing his thing. I like the crew at home. Uh, very similar to Philadelphia, almost. They have played 10 games at home and won nine of them. No, no, no draws in those 10 games. Won nine and lost one. I like them. The Red Bulls have been so uneven. They fired their coach, Chris Armas, for this, even though I'm wearing a Metro Stars jersey as a throwback to them. I just don't know which version of this team is going to show up. They could, they could. That's the beauty of MLS. It could on any given day. Anybody can beat anybody. That's part of why we love it. It's part of its charm. But I just think on paper and just in terms of the season they've had throughout this, even though through the ups and downs of COVID, 
they're still really steady. I like the crew in this one. Yeah, uh, just two names here. Uh, Lucas Elayaran, just, uh, you know, such a force playing right behind Sardes. And Pedro Santos, who's right up there yes, in assist very in good. the league with seven. So uh, I agree. They, they're at home. They look good. They feel confident. Um, I got the crew in that one. Two. All right, let's keep going. Oh, I like this one. Orlando City. That's good. Oscar Parejas, Orlando City um, against NYCFC. Fourth meets fifth. Uh, listen, Orlando won 3-1 when the teams met in the MLS is back tournament. Uh, that, again, that was in July. And then um, last month, they tied 1-0 uh, at Exploria Stadium. So, you know, a little bit of a, you know, history. Both these teams came in at the same time in, in MLS uh, the same year. Um it's going to be a good one. And here's the thing about this game, Jimmy. It's also about like what happens once the international break is over and, and who comes healthy and fit because they rely a lot on international talent as well. Pedro Galese, the Peruvian goalkeeper, uh, Alex Callens on the other side center, but there's still so much talent from Nani, of course, et cetera. So how do you see this one? Orlando City, NYCFC, two teams that came to the league at the same time. That's a great one too. I, I love this matchup. I think both four, number four seed versus number five seed in both conferences are next level. Both have a lot of good narratives. Obviously Orlando is, as you say, excellent in the MLS's back tournament. Really had that team spirit, that new coach, Oscar Perea, who I think should be up for coach of the year right next to Jim Curtin from Philadelphia because of what he's done. And because if you guys remember, I don't know how many people have a short-term memory. Dude, Orlando was the laughing stock of this league about less than 12 months ago. They were a dumpster fire, no direction. You know, they signed Nani, but but what else was going to happen there? And Perea has done an unbelievable job to get these guys all rowing the boat in the same direction. I will say, though, heading into this one, and I thought they drafted properly. Daryl DK up top is unreal. He, I, he should win MLS Rookie of the Year. He should be up for it, for sure, or Young Player of the Year, whatever they're naming it now. But, but they were up 2-1 this past week against Nashville, right before you go into it. And I feel like form, like your vibe going into the playoffs is important. They gave up two goals in the last three minutes to lose three to two. So they need to shore up that back four. I really feel like that's a microcosm of their vulnerabilities. They have Nani doing the business. They got DK doing the business. But then all of a sudden, they give up a couple yeah, bad goals. Every goal for me is a bad goal as a former defender, right? But but that is something that I would be worried about walking into, into the playoffs. NYCFC, on the other hand, though, banging in a ton of goals. I love their performance against the Red Bulls uh, last week. You score in a bunch. They have so many different threats that can beat you. And I think they're quietly kind of flying under the radar. And you have the jersey on, so I should probably let you talk about them instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I would just basically add what you're saying. Listen, uh, NYCFC has wanted this for so long now. David Villa, of course, during his years, they were, they were, they were close a few times. And then they had to reshuffle. Uh, you know, I, I, I on, before everything else, we have to really give a lot of credit to Ronnie Delia. Uh, mm -hmm. Dela, I think... Um, you know, when it began, this sort of rock and uh, heavy metal soccer, we weren't really sure what, what we're going to expect. But they have such a good system. Medina's playing way, McKay still. I mean, that game yes, uh, against Chicago, like, you know, really good 4-3. Titi Castellanos is, is a really good player for this league as well. But it all begins and ends with Maxi Morales. If he's playing well. He's so good. If he's playing well and he can drive the chains and pull the strings, then it's going to be very difficult difficult for Orlando City to contain him because you have Keaton Parks and Alex Ring right behind him and if they can just protect him and make sure that Maxi Morales can do his thing if you let Maxi Morales do his thing he will punish you yeah so but 
uh, it's a very tight one. It's a very, very tight one. And also just because it's at Exploria Stadium, it's going to be interesting to see how NYCFC pulls this one out. By the way, just a footnote, a uh, quick check. I said before that Inter-Miami tied eight away. That's wrong. They lost eight. So, you know, uh, take that uh, with that game. But in this one, NYCFC, Orlando, I I'll just add to what you said. I think this is a very good game, I think. And I might, I, you know, it's my city. I'm going to go with NYCFC on this one. What about you? I'm going to go with Orlando. Uh, I've, I've spent some time down there recently or not recently, but pre COVID let's say, and they have, they have some fans that I think were on the precipice of wearing garbage bags over their heads. You know, I mean, that's where they were. So for them to, to have a team that they can believe in, obviously they were so close to winning the MLS's back tournament that they were hosting in Orlando. There's a vibe of belief there. And I kind of want to see that get pushed on. No disrespect to NYCFC. I will say though, I wish Patrick Vieira never left. He's doing fine at Nice. You know, but but he was instilling something really, really good there. And I just wish he would have stayed and kind of saw it, see it through a little bit more, uh, maybe for a few more years. But, I, you know, opportunities are opportunities. I, I, I like NYCFC. I respect them. And as you say, Maxi Morales is easily one of the best playmakers in the league. However, I think Orlando is going to have the vibe. I think they're going to do it, at least in this first round. After that, who knows? Yeah, and listen, if this goes to extra time, if it goes to penalties, I'm switching it to Orlando City because they go Pedro Galese and <laughs> stop everything. It's going to be a really good game. Stay right here because after the break, we talk West. Welcome back, everybody. And now we're on the West Coast. Some people call it the best coast. Jimmy Conrad's on the West. I'm on the East. We're going to go West now, baby. There's some really good games here. All right? And we begin with... Number one seed, Sporting Kansas City against my fate. I, I just love the San Jose Earthquakes so much. I mean, I'm a big Pelado Almeida fan. Number one against eighth seed. The teams actually have not met yet. They didn't meet in 2020. So, you know, take that with what you will. What do you think of this one, Jimmy? Well, I call this the Jimmy Conrad Derby because I played for both clubs. I did eight years with Kansas City, four years love for it. San Jose. So this one is going to be... I'll be watching this one uh, in, intently for sure and, and seeing what's going to happen. Sporting Kansas City didn't make the playoffs last year for the first time under Peter Vermes. So since 2011, they've responded by winning the conference. And I think that speaks to, you know, the belief and the culture that he's instilled. And so there's a lot to be proud of there, I think, for that team who battled it. They didn't look good about a month ago. They were bleeding goals left and right. However, on the flip side, San Jose always bleeds goals. You just don't know which version of them is going to show up. You know, they had a stint there where they lost 6-1 to the Timbers, then 5-0 to somebody else, and then ripped off three straight wins, one against LAFC and a couple other playoffs. It's like, what is happening here with these guys? So if you want to see an exciting game, any Earthquakes game is an exciting one. You're going to see goals. You just, you just don't know which team is going to get four or five of them. And that makes them excited. And so when you say these teams haven't met yet in 2020, that actually makes me a little bit more nervous for Kansas City because – the, the, they're so unpredictable, San Jose. You just don't know what you're going to get. Whereas I feel like with Kansas City, the Peter Vermes style is, is pretty clear to see. And, and you could probably build a scheme to defend that. Not to say the PV won't you know, have a scheme ready for San Jose, but it's going to be interesting. And if Alan Polito is healthy and ready to go, he's finally got that number nine that Kansas City wanted to get. I just, it's hard for me to go against them, especially at home where they're usually so good. And they do have a few fans that are being able to come in. And I do think that makes a difference. So I got KC leaning on this one, but again, I mean, the earthquakes, they're crazy. As you say, they're fun to watch. They're a crazy, crazy team. And so uh, I could see this one be like a four, three thriller that goes in favor of sporting. 
Yeah, this is like a classic, like brand new horror movie. You just don't know <laughs> like when like the monster or the clown or like Jason's gonna come out. Cause honestly, I don't know. When you, when, it, it's hard enough to like, when they haven't played yet against each other in one season or in one year, it's even harder when you're talking about the San Jose earthquakes. Because like to your point, like you just don't know what's gonna happen. Almeida always, he's all about, you know, making sure that his team is a collective unit and they're responsible for each player that they're facing. Like this man marking situation all over the pitch. I don't know if that's gonna be a good thing away from home against the confident sport in Kansas City, who have won five at home. And, you know, San Jose hasn't been great on the road. But again, this is the playoffs. They haven't faced each other. Uh, Alan Polita is the key here, if he can come on. But, you know, take nothing away from Kyrie Shelton, who, you know, former NYCFC player, maybe maybe he might call something. Busio as well. I, I don't know. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. I think I'm going to have to go with Sporting Kansas City. And I love the San Jose Earthquakes. I, I had them going all, all the way, actually, in the MLSS back tournament. But um, I think the same outcome is going to come here. The home side is going to win. I think it could come down to goalkeepers, uh, Tim Melia and then uh, Marcinkowski, since he's come in for um, the guy ahead of him, oh, Vega. It's, it's, it's just made such a big difference. He's, he, he's, he's making the saves that, that he should make. I do want to say one thing about Almeida. They lost 7-1 seven, seven, or something to the Sounders earlier in the tournament and, or earlier this season. And Brian Schmetzer, the coach of the Sounders, the reigning MLS Cup champions, said that he thinks, given how well San Jose has turned it around here at the end of the season, that, sh that Almeida should be up for coach of the year. And I was like, what? And I was like, okay, fine. All right. I could see, I could see a little bit of his, his understanding. I don't know when you're shipping like 60 goals over a season, you should be up for any, any kind of award, but, but at the, then they played this last game of the season, Sounders beat him four one. So I kind of curious if Schmetzer feels the same way after slapping him around again. I don't right. know. It's, it's really interesting. They're 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 That is a game to watch. There's going to be a lot of goals. Anyway, I already said it. You guys know what I'm talking about. No, you make a good point. The only thing I'll say about that is like before Almeida came in, this team was a mess. It was a mess. And uh, you know, they made it to the playoffs, but, Again, we're talking about this one. Should he have manager of the year nomination? I, I don't know. I, I just no, think... not this season. But it was just interesting that 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 a respected manager, the reigning MLS Cup manager, uh, would go out of his way to say something like that, which right. which I think speaks to what Almeida's done. I'm a big Almeida fan, but their lack of consistency is what kind of gives me pause. Let's say with regards to manager of the year, it has to go to Perea or Curtin for sure. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's talk about the game, the game, Seattle Sounders. Second seed against LAFC, who dropped to seventh seed in decision day. Um, I mean, this is two MLS heavyweights. They've already met three times in the regular season. Uh, uh, Seattle won both games at home, and LAFC took the only one at Bank of California. Uh, the teams actually also met in the round of 16 uh, back in Orlando in the MLS's back tournament, and LAFC like destroyed them 4 1, but this is a different Sounders. Uh, they're just so good. The Jordan Morris, uh, Raul Rudias. Uh, X factor, but it's LAFC, Diego Rossi, you know, uh, going for the, you know, did he end up getting the golden boot before the playoffs? Uh, let's see here. Yeah. I mean, 16 goals for the season, you know, but Ruiz is not far off with 12. I, this is just going to be a great game. I think uh, again, though, Jimmy, we kind of, you know, and this is why we're going to have another episode because it's really what happens after the international break. I worry a little bit about what's going to happen, but how do you see this one, this mammoth of a game? Well, it's a revenge match from last year. Uh, Seattle knocked off LAFC in the playoffs, so that was um, 
yeah, really interesting to, to have that happen because LAFC were in a total vibe at that point. They were playing so well at home. So that was a big shock. Seattle really came out and did the business. That's where the whole Bob Bradley, uh, Brian Schmetzer, like lack of handshake kind of drama happened between the two clubs. So there's a nice beef between the two clubs, both on and off the field. And I like that. It gives it a little juice. Now, the Sounders have the best defense in the whole league, and, or not whole league, Western Conference. And, and uh, what's it called? LAFC have the highest scoring team. Uh, in the Western Conference. So it's kind of, you know, an immovable, immovable object uh, meets a, an unstoppable force. What I'll say, though, LAFC have shipped 39 goals in 22 games. That's unacceptable for me, for a Bob Bradley coach team. He knows it. Everybody knows it. They are very weak in the back four. And if you look at their last game, they just played on decision day. They were up 1-0. Carlos Vela's back. They're looking good, dude. They just didn't kill off the game. It was 1-0. Crushing the timbers for me in almost every facet. Took advantage of a bad mistake, capitalized on that, made a like, like peak LAFC that we know and love. And then in the 89th, 90th minute, they give up a goal, get countered and score. And it's like, all right, that's kind of LAFC in 2020. Like they show glimpses of what they can be, but then they also show what they uh, are also are capable of defensively. So I think the Sounders are a little bit more complete. However, Carlos Vela is such a good player that the team relaxes when he has the ball and it allows so many other guys to join the attack in a meaningful way. That can be overwhelming. I do like the Sounders though. They're the defending cup, uh, MLS cup champions for a reason. I just, I just LAFC could, could steal this one. And Bob Bradley's already coming out saying, I don't care for the number seven seed. We have the talent to win it all. And he's right. Yep. He's absolutely right. It doesn't matter about that. I mean, you know, Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, we know what they can do. The only thing that I will put like a little asterisk on is the fact that LAFC lost a, Eight games this season that's a lot for a team that's trying to win the whole thing uh and again i know it's a cliche but like i just think like the sounders being at home is just going to help them so much and i think that bob Riley is a great manager but to your point is correct i think that that defensively they're a little too vulnerable and you don't want to play a team like the sounders Mm -hmm. when you're doing that but this is the playoffs we'll see what happens i just think that the reason why I'm pushing a little bit more for the Sanders, one is the home advantage, but two, they don't just rely on one particular plan. They have like three plans, A, B, C, and D. And if Jordan Morris and Rudias are, are locking in and looking good, uh, this is a force. Uh, I mean, but, you know, it's not like LFC doesn't have talent. I just think that, that the boost, the collective unity, the home advantage gives us to Seattle. I think you're forgetting Nick, Nico Ladero. Maybe because he's maybe because he's Uruguayan and you're Peruvian. I don't know if there's something there, but uh, no Ladero, Christian Roldan, of course. You know they, yeah, you're right. They have so many different options, and they have the experience. You know, I'm LAFC still has to prove that they can win these big games, whereas Seattle's done it, and I think that matters. So, uh, you know, this is a this is a big statement game, I think, for LAFC. And if I was them, I'd be happy to have Seattle, so you can finally get over that hump. It's this is another great one, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I'm sorry, Nicoladero. If you were Chilean, <laughs> I would say, yep, I don't care, but uh, I'm sorry, but absolutely. All right, let's move on. Portland Timbers against FC Dallas, third seed playing sixth seed. Uh, listen, Dallas on the road has not been good. Portland has been okay. Um, this is, again, uh, just like uh, just like the other game, uh, which one was it, where they haven't fa- uh, Sporting Kansas City and San Jose Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. These two teams have not faced each other. So a little to little to go comparison. Uh, how do you see this one? So the Timbers and I, a huge fan of the club since they came into the league, and I'm friends with so many people there, and, and uh, love their fans. It's, they got it all going. 
they're hosting this one. And I think because they don't have their fans, it, it does make a difference. I don't think you go to Portland and feel as intimidated or overwhelmed as you can be, especially if the Timbers start to get into the game or take an early lead. It's hard to come back from that. And uh, I think without their fans, it does make a difference. They've only won two out of their last seven games. And those two wins weren't really against top level competition. I think actually both of those wins were against teams that have been eliminated. So the Timbers are not coming into this with great form. Now I just said they came back and, and tied LAFC. So they might have a little bit of that. We can do it kind of vibe, but it's hard to shake a, you know, a month and a half or two month run where you're not really playing that well. Whereas with FC Dallas, they've only won three out of their last six. However, and this is what I meant to mention earlier, the one team that beat Nashville in Nashville was FC Dallas. And that was last week. And then they had to travel to Minnesota a couple days later and they got, they got slapped three uh, zero, <laughs> but in fairness, they did something that nobody had done before. And that speaks to the team and one zero one. That's, that's a, that's a gritty playoff win for me. I, for me, they're already in playoff mode. I'm going to leave that, uh, that Minnesota result kind of off to the side a little bit, just because I think they were a little bit tired. Minnesota didn't have that same game, game midweek. And uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. I could see of, of all the games where I'm like, I could see an upset. I could see Dallas winning this one for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And I agree. I think the Minnesota game, I think actually maybe that was a wake-up call for the club now as they head into the playoffs and they say, listen, time to wake up. The other thing about I, the Portland uh, Timbers situation is very much like NYCFC. Like if, if, if Morales is doing well, great. If Diego Valeri is playing and doing his thing, forget about it. But also the thing about Portland is that they're not that disciplined when it comes to, you know, making sure that they don't foul too much. Two of their players are up in the, in the yellow card list for the whole regular season. And I feel like if the intensity goes too much, if the aggression goes too much, they might let that get in the way of, uh, you know, Diego Chara already has so many yellow cards. Um, you know, they might get that in the way of, of, of performing. It's going to be a tight one, but, so I just I just want to add that that Portland yeah, Timbers won they won the MLS's back tournament, That's and true. the MVP of that tournament for the Timbers was Sebastian Blanca. He's he's hurt. He's hurt. He's out for the season. He's been hurt for a while, and I think they really miss his presence because when he's out on the field, then Diego Valeri, who a former league MVP, has more space to be Diego Valeri or vice versa, right? It gives space because those guys are so talented. I love watching them play. But but because now teams can focus on Valeri alone, I think it makes it harder for Portland to generate these types of attacks more consistently. Also on the flip side, with regard to FC Dallas, I said the Sounders were the, the best team in the Western Conference defensively. FC Dallas is only one goal behind them. The problem with FC Dallas is they only scored 28 goals in 22 games. So they're having trouble kind of generating attacks. That could be the big issue here. However, Timbers have given up a lot of goals. This is going to be a good one. And FC Dallas obviously has a lot of, a lot of talented young players, Jesus, Jesus Ferreira in particular. Uh, they just lost Reggie Cannon not too long ago to Boa Vista in Portugal. So, I mean, they're just, they're another machine that, that very similar to Philadelphia have a tremendous youth academy and they give those, those players a chance to play. And it's awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's finish off with the last one, which is Minnesota United, Minnesota United fourth seed against the Rapids, Colorado Rapids. Uh, Minnesota were actually two one winners when they faced off uh, just two weeks ago, actually at Alliance field. And they shared a two-all draw when they met in the tournament in July. So we've got a little bit of a, you know, highlight reel from these two games. How do you see this one? So I like uh, I like both teams actually. Colorado were having a lot of adversity. They had so many COVID tests. They didn't actually play as many games as everybody else. So they came back from this long break, needed to get wins, and they won three straight to end the season to get in and find themselves on the fifth seed. So. 
the fair play to them. I think they're on, they're on something nice right now. And they've got a nice vibe and I've been longtime friend with uh, Robin Frazier, their head coach. So I'm pulling for them a little bit. However, I'm also friends with Adrian Heath of Minnesota. They are unbeaten in their, let me see. I have it here. Their last eight games and their number 10, Emmanuel Reynoso has been fantastic. One goal and three assists. If that guy's on, we talked about it with Valeri, uh, Maxi Morales, uh, Nani to a certain extent. Like if, if those playmakers are on and feeling it, their teams are most likely going to win because I think we could have a nice long argument or maybe no argument at all that, that games are won in midfield. And if, and if your talented string pullers are doing the business and creating the space for the attackers up top, they're going to get chances. They're going to score. I like Minnesota a lot. They are the hottest team coming into the playoffs outside of the Philadelphia union, at least on the West side. And they're playing at home where they're very good. They just slapped around, like I said, a very good FC Dallas team this past uh, weekend. I-, I like Minnesota in this one. There's so many coin flips here that I, I-, I think we're going to get really good value on William Hill once these lines come out because you could really say, well, you know, Colorado could do it. And yes, they could do it. But I think Minnesota just have them uh, pipped this, this time around. I just think they- they've got a little bit of a better vibe going. Yeah, the only thing that I'm going to add is Emmanuel Reynoso was one of the best uh, arrivals to the league. Uh, Agreed. Came from Boca Juniors, just such a playmaker. Uh, I, I remember when Minnesota tweeted it, you know, I just went all over. I was like, you guys got yourself a ridiculous player because mm-hmm. he's so good. And again, it's funny. I feel like accidentally I'm stumbling into this narrative, Maxi Morales, uh, you know, Valeri. And now, again, like you said, if the Reynoso is playing well and pulling the strings, it's going to be a very difficult game for Colorado Rapids. That was your early, early MLS preview show. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much. We actually will be back with another one of these after the international break, but stay tuned too, because Jimmy, we got the United States men's national team playing this week. Can't wait. We got a lot, a lot to talk about, but guys, I hope you enjoyed this initial reaction to the MLS preview. Jimmy, always good to have you, brother. Always. Enjoy. I love hearing your voice, Luis. It's like the soothing sounds. Make I just go to sleep think listening to Luis and it makes me sleep better. That's all I'm saying. Oh man, just wait till I sing to you. <laughs> uh, we will see you next time. Please follow us on Kegolazo Pod and enjoy the rest of your week. As always, I want to thank my brother, Jimmy Conrad. And as I said, remember, stay right here because we got so many more episodes this week as we cover the international break and beyond. Have a great week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.